0: This is the second intro that I'm recording today, and the other being for Paulo de DeFritis Jr., the storyboard artist for Queen and & Slim, and this one being for Jeremy Woolsey, the production designer for Queen & Slim, who is really just an impressive and incredibly kind and thoughtful person, who I'm thankful I had the chance to chat with. Um, I didn't go much into Queen & Slim on the other intro, so I suppose I will hear... I, the music was gorgeous, Dev Hines did it, Blood Orange did this, the score for it, and even the soundtrack was really well picked. The subject matter was handled very carefully, very thoughtfully, which, which is difficult considering, considering the subject matter. It could have gone in a different direction, been a bit on the nose or, or unnecessary, but the story felt necessary, the sentiment felt necessary, and um, nothing felt forced. You definitely feel that you are with the pair while you're watching the film, and uh i would I would certainly recommend watching it and I enjoyed it I enjoyed it a lot it puts you definitely puts you in a mood um so yeah life's life's kind right now i've I've been sick, but Christmas is soon, and I'm hoping that all of that will go away shortly because the past two years I've spent Christmas throwing up, um, from, from the stomach flu. I'm not sure why that is. I don't know. I don't know what I've done, but the past two years, Christmas has kind of sucked to be honest with you, which is unfortunate because it's a good day. It's a very good day. So I'm, I'm hoping that since I've been incredibly ill for the past week and a half that, uh, the illness has passed me by. That would be fantastic. So thank you illness for getting it out of the way soon. I hope whatever it is that you celebrate, if you celebrate a thing this month, is full for you, is kind and thoughtful, and I hope that you take the time to tell others that you appreciate them if you do, because all we have is now. Yada, 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 blase, blase. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I learned a lot. I was given an opportunity here to chat with this man who, who was so generous and so thoughtful who didn't need to be. So thank you. Thank you for sticking in this long. Thank you for being you. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jeremy Woolsey. Hey, how's it going? I'm really good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Can you hear me decently? Yes, I can. Cool. How is your Tuesday treating you?
1: Uh, well, uh, not bad. We uh, just opened up a kind of our biggest set of this project I'm on. So, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of shoot em up walls. There's a big uh, kind of a invasion sequence, uh, so a lot of a lot of squibbed walls to be switched in and out of the set. So it'll be a four day affair. But it's good oh, to wow. kind of. Turn it over to production and let them handle it from here on out.
0: What are the walls constructed of? To make that uh, well, we're
1: recreating. We, well, we recreated uh, the apartment almost inch for inch of uh, Fred Hampton, the Black Panther mm-hmm. uh, wow. uh, activist. Yeah, we uh, and ironically, he was killed fifty years ago. Last week, um, wow. the first day we were on the, the set, that was basically a recreation of his apartment that the uh, police department raided and ended up he ended up getting killed so it's been a bit of an emotional set to, um, For sure. to you know his wife uh, came in and actually walked the set with us and she was there that night so it was interesting to see that emotion of, of being in the recreation
0: of the space so yeah but it's good uh, we have a week and a half to go and uh, we're heading to the finish line. Does that feel strange recreating a place like that? Like, does it ever feel? I don't. I don't know if disrespectful is the right word, but does it ever feel strange doing so? Or do you do you feel like it needs to be told? Um, well, it certainly is the big, big part of
1: our story that we're telling. Yeah, it felt a little strange when we walked her through the set. Yeah, you know, and she started to. You could see. First, start to relive some of it in her head that's and, insane
2: you know,
1: yeah yeah i've never done that before where a, a historical figure walked through a set that was basically a straight recreation of a place that her husband was murdered in so yes it was got it but you know we we honored we did our research as we always do but we really took a uh, a very uh, careful view and uh, reconstruction of this, uh, because of the, you know, the nature of it. There was a lot of controversy around the invasion or the, the, uh, you know, the gunshots and who shot first and all that kind of stuff. So we really had to do our homework on this one. But I think it, it came out pretty well, and everyone seems to be happy with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Is this a story on his life?
1: It is. It's uh, basically uh it takes us from i want to say early
2: 1967 to it's about a year and a half two year span of his life mm-hmm.
1: including uh, you know having uh, discussed the uh his killing about uh, a police officer so it um but it's a, it's an interesting uh it's a great it's a great project so i'm happy to be on it great actors and uh, uh filmmakers involved so
0: well that's wonderful how does it How does it feel working on movies like that? And obviously, similarly, Queen and Slim, as opposed to more lighthearted like films, do you feel more fulfilled or invested or is it or is it just time and place? You know,
1: you know I started off some of my first uh, some of my movies in the last ten years have been comedies. you know mm-hmm. I, I, I was in a, into a lot of studio comedies that were a lot of fun, talented people. But until I did uh, Hidden Figures about mm-hmm. five, four, four or five years ago, did I really start to appreciate the uh, more of the storytelling and the historical uh, angles that we have to take? Uh, Hidden Figures was a difficult project. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were recreating NASA in the late '50s, early '60s mm-hmm. on a budget that was not a giant budget. It wasn't, you know. <laughs> 80 million or, you know, whatever, whatever first man had, which is well done, but same time period essentially. And they had 80 million or so we weren't working with a ton of money, but you know, of course those kind of projects are more fulfilling. I mean, look, each one, uh, each day you work on a, each day I work on a film set or work on a project, I feel fortunate, but you know, when you're able to do material that you can react to that means something more than a laugh and, and, and recreating history and telling that story absolutely, absolutely makes a difference.
0: Hmm. That makes sense. How yeah. was How was Queen and Slim then for you? Tell me about that experience. Queen,
1: Queen and Slim was uh, was great. You know, it. it, it I didn't work uh, to be honest. I I left the show a little bit earlier by design. Uh, mm-hmm. I queen of slim came to me out of nowhere i was set to do a uh billy holiday biopic uh that fell through and then uh through yeah i don't know if it'll ever kick back up but (laughs) the script needed a little work as well but uh we uh i got a call out of nowhere for queen and slim and it's a fantastic production designer karen murphy yeah uh you know originally from Australia but she lives in the States now and uh, she was just coming off a of stars born and you know she um, she's very passionate about this project and I jumped on and and I didn't go all the way with it I had left early to go to Asia for a project but I got them you know I got them going and hired made a lot of the key hires that painters and carpenters but it was a fantastic you know experience in the sense that to really be around a powerful group of, uh, female filmmakers with the mm-hmm. vision that they had. Um, the reference imagery that Karen and Melina and the team, uh, kind of keyed off of and used as inspiration, uh, was fantastic. And, you know, we were shooting in my home. I live in New Orleans, so we were shooting in oh, New wow. Orleans. That's gotta be nice. Yeah. That's gonna yeah. Be nice. It was cool. And we were shot in the, you know, kind of out in the, I don't know if you've seen the film, but, you know, it's yes, a bit I of a have. road movie. Sure. And uh, we shot and some, uh, you know, we shot everything except for the opening scene was shot in, uh, I take that back, the diner scene was shot in New Orleans. But the, the actual scene where the officer pulls him over and things go badly uh, was shot in Cleveland, where I am now, ironically, oh. uh, just down the street gotcha. from where I am. And that... That was difficult, you know. They had to reshoot that because uh, it was the coldest. It was one of the coldest nights in the history of Cleveland. Really, it, it was thirty degrees below.
0: Holy and, shit!
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how. I don't know how that. Came to be that seems dangerous (laughs) to me, but they shot it. But I think the cameras froze or something technical happened because of the weather. So they had to reshoot it. But uh, you know, between Daniels' between the leads' performances and the mood and the vibe, I'm very very proud to have been a part of that. And uh, that's awesome. You you know, the whole road the roadhouse scene where they pull over. Oh, beautiful! Uh, Yeah, beautiful scene that was shot in uh, uh, old. Bar in New Orleans, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I have a bit of a musical background as well, so I I suggested the uh, musical act for that uh, gentleman by the name of Little Freddie King, um, who I dealt with on the, as a musical. That's so cool. I was just uh,
0: talking but, to a, a DJ who I know who plays a lot of blues music, and he was telling me about him that he was a real artist. I thought that was awesome.
1: Yeah, he's a cool dude. He's an old cat from I think he's originally from somewhere in Mississippi, but he's lived in New Orleans for probably 40 50 years i'm not sure but he's uh he i wasn't there when they filmed but but i'm glad they got him because that was my number one recommendation because they weren't sure who the musical act was going to be so i i chimed in with some regional and local acts so so i'm glad they used it but yeah it was an it was a great experience and i'm i was happy to be a part of that and help help tell that story
0: cool what kind of what kind of sets were uh most challenging or fruitful for you on, on the movie?
1: Um, you know, I gotta say, you know, a lot of it was exterior. Yeah. as You know, um, I think the most challenging for all involved was the uh, the uncle the uncle's house. Mm-hmm. I'm drawing a blank on his name now. Uh, the big two story kind of uh, mansion that was a uh, logistically you know, that is that is a beautiful, uh, beautiful property in the Bywater, uh, yeah. or actually the Marigny section of, um, one of those sections of New Orleans. Uh, beautiful, beautiful property. The home was uh, a bit in disrepair, and there were, there, it was kind of a commune. There were six to eight young ladies living there. Hmm. Uh, So it was kind of a, you know, it's an interesting, a lot of times you'll come into a location like that. You don't quite have those kind of obstacles logistically where you have to move six to eight people out of their home. All of that business, but that from a color uh, perspective and just to get that tone right was fantastically done by Karen. Uh, She led the way on that really beautiful, Paint colors and finishes, and the paint department. You know, I think that for them was, uh, for everyone, was a very challenging to get that right. You know, that mm-hmm. was such a pivotal scene of you know where they they kind of make a decision. You know, they they've made their decision, but now they're starting to turn the corner and change identities and yeah. stuff like that, and change wardrobes. So it's really a shift visually in the movie, and I think absolutely, that yeah, they did a okay. fantastic job on that. The artwork, everything was. Was pitch perfect, I think, and um, you know, Karen kind of led the way with what interiors we did have, and you know, it, it contrasted nicely with the, um, the couple played by Chloe Savini and uh, Flea at, yeah. uh, toward the end. Funny that house
0: actors also. I was like, wow, I didn't know they yeah. were in it until I saw it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was kind of cool. They were just appropriately reserved and creepy. But yeah, you they didn't were quite perfect. know. Yeah, you didn't know if they were going to help or turn on it. It was very, they're a very uh, puzzling couple. But uh, I thought the house, that house was very subtle, and very mm-hmm. subtly dressed. and I, I thought uh, did a nice job. Now, one interesting thing, you know, one challenge from an art department standpoint was building a chamber on stage for the actors to hide under the bed.
0: Yeah, I was curious. I, I was curious about that
1: yeah that was all done on stage Hmm. um now we designed basically a replica of the location bedroom Mm -hmm. yet with a kind of on a platform with a hidden chamber so that you could get a camera in profile you could get a camera underneath quote unquote the floor Uh and get the sense that you were down there with them so it was a not the most difficult build, but it, it, it took some engineering to figure out. Okay, how are we going to shoot this? And you know, did mm-hmm. some models and physical models, some digital models, and that stuff's always fun. though. So that's when when we get to do that kind of stuff. You right. know that that that's always an exciting uh, adventure and a challenge is to how are we going to make this look realistic? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was one of the bigger challenges and uh, you know a lot of the car work finding the right picture cars really helped that film as well yeah um you know finding uncle i forgot, sorry i forgot his the uncle's I name the movie. but uh finding his you know the car that he loans them and mm-hmm. that also changes the kind of ups the ante so to speak with the the um, the visuals and the, sure. the, the stylistic approach to to the their continuing journey. So all of that combined really made it uh, a very uh, interesting and challenging project, especially with not a lot of prep time. I I don't Mm. think, I don't think we had more than seven weeks to prep that film uh, for the art department. So yeah, you know, when it comes out like that and everyone's happy and uh, you know, it makes it, it's, you know, it's another project that you can be proud of and and lucky to be a part of.
0: Tell me a bit about, specifically what it what your job consists of being the art director and what sort of examples of, of the work that you do. Well, basically the the general description would be our director, you know, is second to the production designer and lays out mm-hmm. and executes
1: their vision. So, you know, Karen Karen will lay out her feel for the movie, we'll go over locations. She'll basically She's the visionary and leader, and what the art director will do is figure out how much that's going to cost, mm-hmm. who's going to draw it, who's going to build it, how you know how much does that cost, how much time. It's a lot of management. Now, I know there is creative input. You know, you'll I'll interface with on any given day. I'll interface with set designers who are drafting sets, mm-hmm. graphic designers who are creating. Uh, you know, any kind of signage or scenery graphics. I work with the construction and paint department very closely Mm -hmm. to interact with them about, you know, what we're building, when we're doing it, how much can we afford this. I interact with every other single department. You know, for instance, today I had to go by and talk to special effects about something. I had to meet with the lighting department about something. You're basically you're basically managing the traffic communication of the entire art department right so it's the number one thing i tell people that i work with is you have to communicate it's it's so much about communication if you're not letting people know even from the, the minutiae of a slight um you know a door handle change mm-hmm. you know if the production if the production designer comes in and goes you know what that door handle's not working for me. So it's my job to go, okay, we'll take care of it. And then I'll disseminate the information and we figure out, you know, where's it coming from? What's it look like? Who's who's installing it? You know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's really a big mix of communication, direction, you know, figuring out schedules and, and workloads. and It's just a, it's a pretty big balance of all of that. So you, you really have to understand a lot of disciplines understand what other departments do uh, understand you know you have to also foresee issues you know if you're seeing something that looks unsafe or doesn't seem achievable or you know you also answer as an art director on bigger films on bigger studio films you're also pretty beholden you're walking up uh, to the production producers so you're walking a fine line of Executing the vision of the designer, but also keeping that budget on point. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, it can become a very political position, even in smaller studio films, you know, that are 30 million or less. But you get up to the big ones, uh, 80 and 100 and above, and you're getting into a territory where you're managing hundreds of craftspeople and personalities, and you've really got to communicate and prepare. And that's the thing you just have to do. You really have to prepare, but you also want to honor the vision that's been laid out. That's what you were hired to do is come in and, and be uh, the number one support system for the production designer. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, you know, every job is a different personality at the top, yeah, different producers, different everything for the most part. Same same job every time, just different experience. Different,
0: that's, that's exciting, different. though. That's yeah, it has got to be incredible. It's,
1: yeah, it never gets, I mean, sure, like any other job, no matter how much you love it, there'll be times where you're like, yeah, I need a break. Or, right, right. But every, you know, just this year, for instance, I've been very lucky. I'm, I'm, I you know, I went to, I, I started off with Queen and Slim. I went to Asia to do a Spike Lee movie, flew to Boston for the summer to do a, a small French film, and then came here to do a period piece. So every single job has had different challenges but each one's unique in the storyline and the, the, the characters involved. Not not on screen, but the ones off screen. Um, but you have to. That's that's what makes a great art director. Some of the best ones are just they're they're unflappable. They're prepared. Mm-hmm. They're knowledgeable uh, on all disciplines of art, architecture, interior design, you name it. So you really have to be. Uh, on it and if you're not it could it could it could snowball and you could really spare yourself and make yeah. things difficult so like it's, a, a, it's a tough job undertaking. it's a tough job it is it can be for sure
0: how did you how did you come to be an art director
1: well i i didn't come through the traditional paths you know a lot of people uh especially now you're seeing well what you're also seeing I mean traditionally you'll come up through uh, drafting. You know a lot of you'll see a lot of big art directors maybe have an architecture background or yeah. fine arts, and they cut work they get into the studio system and they're generally set designers, assistant art directors, and they kind of move their way up. I, I came up a different path. I came up through, and this is not common, but it's not such a rarity that it's unheard of. Mm-hmm. I came up more through uh, the set decoration world. Yeah, uh, you know i i started in new york uh after i graduated college a little bit later than most people i moved to new york and started doing uh, pa work on uh traveling kind of uh, promotional television type shows like uh x game not the x games but kind of x game knockoffs for different you know networks and stuff right. so i started off as you know lugging stuff around driving vans and Eventually, I uh, got into television in Los Angeles with a friend, and just kind of worked my way through the art department and got a few nice breaks along the way. But for the most part, kind of self—not self-taught because you learn from other people. But I didn't come up to traditional uh, set design, to assistant art director. I kind of came up to set dresser. You know, did some s- small set decoration. And then art directed and just production designed some, you know, four to $10 million movies and learned it kind of the hard way, you know, Mm -hmm. learned it, learned it in, in situ in place, learned it, you know, while we were doing it and um, eventually had an opportunity to work under really um, established experienced production designers And I tell I tell some of the people on my team now you learn if you're not learning something new every single day or a different way to, you know, little mini lessons like, okay, next time I'll make sure that this person knows about, you know, you just every day you should learn something and it's nothing that can necessarily be taught in a book. I mean, you can learn the guidelines and general structures of things, but until you really dig into the minutiae day to day or. You know, you may be in a meeting and say something and you're like, oh, damn, I, I should have thought. You know, every day you should learn something about how to handle the job or communicate with other people. Right. So every day is a learning process. I mean, I try to I strive and try to at least put it in my memory bank to go, okay, do this differently. Or next time, if you're looking at something, look for this because – you may not have caught it. Like if, if there's some, something on a wall that like for the shoot up gig, I learned a little bit more about how special effects preps some of these uh, walls that need to be shot up. I mean, I've been around it, but I've never been, never had the access to be that close to their shop and see some of the, so you just learn every day. You're just constantly yeah. learning. So that on the next job you go, that light bulb, one of thousands goes off and goes, Oh, i'm going to do this differently or i'm going to do this you know you just learn you're just continually learning and that's how i've uh, i've got some nice breaks i've worked with some really legendary production or at least you know a couple of really uh experienced uh, they've done legendary films uh so i've really absorbed their process the way they communicate everything that i can because they're a lot of them, you know, some of the key designers I've worked with have been doing this for almost 35, 40 years. So if you wow. can't learn from, from those guys and, you have, and gals, you have no business being in it. So that's what I really strive to do. I can, you know, I, I just, I'm trying to, when I'm not working, uh, you know, I'm constantly trying to read or, you know, go back and work on Photoshop and learn new things in Photoshop or learn some things in SketchUp for quick modeling for -hmm. for planning purposes and constantly studying uh, when I'm not working so that the next check is you can't take anything for granted. You can't get comfortable. You know, there's so many people coming up that are talented. You just can't get complacent. If you get complacent, you know, you get bored, you, you, you won't put your job performance will suffer.
0: It sounds like such a rewarding career, though, because it it seems it's not it's not often that people get the chance to learn every like. It's definitely rare to get to learn every day in your in your career. Like a lot of people just do the same thing day in and day out, which is. I don't know. Something about it just feels off. Like you need to be challenging yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, and it's um. No, granted, if I was on set every day, like uh, I don't think I'd love that because I. The, the people that actually you know 14 16 hour days at times cold weather and that's uh, with we, our department has it pretty good you know we're the're <laughs> the, we're the first on the ground usually we're there yeah. early uh, in prep and we're there late and uh, but you're absolutely right it's a blessing every single day that I get paid or anybody that I know that gets uh, compensated to work on a film and be a part of the process mm-hmm. it's a it's a very unique um group of people you know there's not there's not yeah there's a lot of filmmakers but you know really it's it's not a common profession so I uh, I'm thankful every single day I get to work mm-hmm. so you're right
0: did you ever imagine yourself being in this sort of career like what did you study in college
1: yeah I did I well <laughs> you know what I imagined myself being it was in was in show business yeah always um but I honestly I thought it would be in the music business
0: yeah, didn't you do but some music production early on?
1: I did. Well, I, yeah, I, I, when I was in college, I booked music.
2: Yeah. And
1: uh, once I'd started doing, making a little bit of money in film, I, I kind of got the itch again and opened up or helped book a couple of music venues in my own state. So I've always had an eye on music, but you know, I, I was in college in the 90s. Right. So the music business um, and the opportunities within it took a different turn. You know, mm-hmm. you started the iPod coming out in the late 90s, 2000, whatever that was. You really started to see the industry change um, early on after, just after college, I interviewed at William Morris to be a, a music agent, you know, mm-hmm. or, or trainee to be in that program. And, but I never, I, I knew I was suited for show business in some capacity. And that's why I pushed to get into production because us you know, you could kind of tell the music jobs just weren't, Right as, as available as production. You know, I had contacts in New York that worked at MTV and did some sort of uh, version of production. I never did I imagine, at least when I started, uh, that I would be working on, you know, <laughs> at some at some point, Oscar right. caliber, caliber films. That's kind of a dream. Uh, that's kind of something that just, a lot of it's luck and a lot of it's, um, performing mm-hmm. uh and, and and adapting and learning and um, working with some great people that have have helped me and uh nurtured you know kind of uh mentored me a bit and i uh, i'm thankful to them for doing that and uh, they've made it possible for me to keep working and mm-hmm. keep growing so yes but i feel very very happy and uh thankful to be in it
0: did you go to college in, in your home
1: Oh, sorry. I did. I went to, uh, Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge.
0: How did, in that, the programs, like, allowed you to find connections with, with music booking quite easily? No.
1: No, I did that on my own. Wow. Good for you. Yeah, I had I did have a couple of friends that owned bars that had music, so I said, hey, let me, uh, let me take this, let me, let me try to book a few shows. yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up doing some pretty cool, especially in the 90s, I mean, uh, you know, we did some bands that were pretty well known, uh, not at that time, obviously right. the venues I was dealing with were 200 to 400 seaters, but I've uh-huh. done shows with at the drive in and, uh, you know, Frank black,
2: and, That's awesome, man. Uh,
1: you know, all, you know, about the 90s stuff. But when I got back into it about eight years ago and I, uh, was booking music, I did some pretty cool stuff, you know, I mean, I got to work with Dick Dale before he cut, I did three shows with Dick Dale before he, you know, he died last year. A lot of legends. Bernie Warrell done a show with Damian Gerardo.
0: Damian, uh, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about Damian. I was curious yeah. about that. That's a um, you know, you never
1: played Louisiana before. Wow. And I, uh, I was haggling his uh, agent.
0: Yeah. So we would you just try to find their information and then reach out and just.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I'd go and I'd go. You know, you can find their booking any website. Every book, every website has their booking Right, right. So what I would do, I would study. Oh, not study. I would look at their, the, the tour routes and mm-hmm. see, you know, if it made sense for them to pick up a date. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I emailed Damien's, um, cause I'm such a big fan of his work. And I kept emailing his agents and just staying on his radar, you know, not mm-hmm. harassing him, but like every a couple times a year, be like, Hey, if, if he, he never played that far South, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I was able to, one day I remember, uh, Agent said, Hey, I've got a Wednesday. You know, can you do it? I said, Yeah, just tell me how much. And uh, he had never played wow louis, louis he had never played New Orleans. I booked him in my hometown of Baton Rouge because that's where the venue was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we sold, you know, they just sold 170 something tickets on a Wednesday night at 20 bucks a pop. So Jeez. it paid for itself. Yeah. And uh, he was fantastic. So I was able to do, uh, you know, I would still do music if I had the right partner. Because I'm never, I'm never in Louisiana. I'm hardly home right now, yeah. so it's hard for me to be a be a day to day participant in a business. For but sure. I, I'm pretty sure I could still book a venue because it's all email. I mean, I don't, right. you know, you don't get on the phone with agents. You know, you hey, you have a date? Yeah, maybe uh, hold this <laughs> date. How, how much? All right, let's do the deal. Contract emailed. Boom.
2: Sounds yeah. wonderful.
1: But I just don't. Uh, I, I miss. I miss it. But I don't miss the stress of putting yeah. on shows with my with my own money and stuff like that. But you know what? I it, it was a dream to do both for a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, cost me a relationship. You know, it, it's not the easiest thing to balance. But uh, yeah, I always knew show business and music. But Louisiana State LSU didn't. They didn't really offer. They may have a, some sort of film program now, but it's mostly yeah. film theory or so. It's not a practical, you know, like that school. And uh, you've seen a lot of kids coming out of um, that school, Western Carolina or mm-hmm. whatever that school is in North Carolina that really has, really, truly has a film program where they, That's awesome. you go four years of actually working. Production like freshman year, you're a PA on a, on your final film, and you move up to your oh, a designer. Yeah, and they're producing some really strong filmmakers already. You know that you're starting to see that. I forgot what that school's called, but it's uh, in North Carolina, Western something for school yeah. for the arts. And uh, so, yeah, Louisiana State doesn't really have that. I studied uh, journalism, mass communications.
0: Oh. Interesting.
1: And uh, yeah, I needed to graduate at something, and I figured <laughs> that is somewhat applicable yeah. to uh, media and production. So that's kind of the direction I went.
0: I'm still thinking about Damien because I, I, um, I got the chance to see him last year at a really weird performance. It was at a Kurt Vonnegut festival at a brewery in uh, Indiana, and it was he was on this little stage that was like. At, like chest level to me just with like rocks around it and there were like a hundred or so people there. It was so weird. And it was yeah. um, Father John Misty was like the final act of the night but I found out that they like go way back. and Oh really? B- before before uh, Josh Tillman Father John Misty like became Father John Misty he was like sleeping on couches in Seattle and basically like asking Damien to take his CDs and stuff. So it was just a very like it was one of the most interesting concerts I've ever seen because it was super intimate, and it was all acoustic. Like, it was just them and their guitars. But Damien was just, like, that was my introduction to him. I'd never heard of him before, but it was yeah. it was he really, it, it was, it, yeah, absolutely. There was a moment where there was this bird chirping because we were all, it was outside, and it was, like, just a beautiful summer night, and he just stopped. He, like, stopped mid-song, And was like, hey, you guys should just like listen to that bird. And then we just sat there (laughs) and listened to this bird. And then he was like playing to the bird back and forth. Oh wow! And I I was in the very front too, so I'm like a five feet away from the dude, and I'm like, this is, this is unreal. Like it was just a really beautiful energy that I I was very appreciative to have. So I was, I was very pleased to talk to you about that. He's amazing. He seems to be uh, a
1: sweet soul. You know, I, I preach you know, I'm, he's just amazing. I've just been lucky to see him several times. I, the venue, I, I got to see that show was one of only four shows that I saw that I actually booked in that time period, mm-hmm. but I happened to be between gigs and was in New Orleans and i you know, it was just magical to be a right. part, just to, to be a part of a meet him and all that kind of stuff. But he's, uh, I kind of like uh, that he's sort of under the radar, Yeah he's for sure. still, for sure. but musicians and, and people love him, I mean, rightfully so, and Moby mm. loves him, like, Moby really? <laughs> brought him on a couple of albums or something, That's so fun. I'm glad that he's financially, I think he's, I think a commercial, I'm sure he made, I think a Toyota commercial, it's one of his songs, good for him, so yeah, that'll oh, hopefully set him up for life, um, <laughs> you know, something like that, but yeah, he's fantastic, where are you based out of
0: I'm in Michigan right now.
1: Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay, I was in Detroit over the weekend.
0: Actually. Wow, could have met up. Darn it!
1: Yeah, <laughs> I went down there to. My girlfriend was in town, and we uh, drove over and went to the uh, DIA and met a friend for that dinner. Is that is so funny.
0: Um, I was supposed to go to the DIA on Friday, but I ended up having to change my plans. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, I was there on Sunday. It was uh,
2: <laughs> so cool. It was
1: cool. It was cool to get over there and uh, kind of see a little bit more of this area. You know, I like to try to see stuff when I'm on the on the road, and for sure. uh, so it was cool. But uh, so wait, what? Um, tell me more about the podcast.
0: Yeah, so uh, I've been doing it for about three years now. I'm actually going to school in Ypsilanti, which is like 45 minutes from Detroit. So I'm actually in film school right now. Oh, great! And I've just been. It's been about three years now that I've been talking to people and I just talked to it was musicians heavily and then I like I've, I've always known I wanted to be in film so I really wanted to take advantage of talking to positions that don't always like get interviews or, or you know get insight like it's usually like directors, composers, main main thing. So I've tried to talk to all sorts of crew members, lots of art directors, production designers, like anybody who will listen, storyboard artists, like all, all the positions in between. And, and yeah, that's really about it. Very
1: cool. Where, how did you uh, come about my name?
0: Uh, usually I'll, I, I see, I try to see every movie that comes out. Mm-hmm. And when, when I see a movie coming out that I'll, I think I'll particularly enjoy, or I think has a story that's worth telling, I'll just find out everything there is to find out about every cast member, every crew member. And then basically just see who who is willing to chat. So That's I saw very you. Cool. I saw you were the That's art cool. director, and I I love talking to art directors because I think it's like I I've still yet to know what I'm gonna do in the industry. Like there's a lot of moving parts, and it's and it's obviously still early on. I plan to go to L.A. probably and just try my hand at it. But um, art directors like have really spoken to me and production designers. Like just that whole process, I find really interesting with the money managing and. The things that make the movie the movie that you don't always realize make the movie like really tiny things. I, I appreciate the more background roles. So
1: yeah, that's, that's cool. That's very cool. Well, certainly, uh, you know, feel free to if you have any any questions or emails, or if you want access to anyone that you see that you think I may know, or maybe can send your way, or you know, Thank whatever you so the, the case may be. Um, you know, so you don't you're not quite sure. How you want to, you just, you know, you want to be in the film industry. Obviously. Yeah.
0: I've always, I've always wanted to write. I've always like wanted to write books since I was probably six or seven. I started writing stories, and that was like, that was my dream, dream. But that's a little tough to put all your eggs in that basket if you're going to school because, you know, writing is an incredibly difficult industry. But I'm just, arts are my thing. So books, music, movies, and obviously filmmaking. I was like, yes, that's just exactly what I want. So I've, I've, I've done a lot of production, like at school, and I've talked to a lot of different positions. But I'm just trying to find like, I'm trying to find the thing that like speaks to me most. So that that's partially the reason why I'm doing this, you know, and I appreciate that opportunity a lot, because I get to see the insides of the jobs and understand what they're actually consisting of. And I just try to do as much reading as possible. So yeah, I, I don't know. I would love to direct obviously one day like that's of course something that just is but the the older I get the more I think that I would appreciate being in a in a non director role so
1: interesting well you know I think uh, you know obviously L A is where a lot of the action is but mm-hmm. you know such a changing landscape that, for sure you know even next door in Ohio they're uh, <laughs> You're cranking there's three film. well there's two now the, the russo brothers are in town uh finishing up their their feature uh cherry but yeah. um you know pittsburgh has a lot of work so there are you know those a lot of times depending on what you ultimately focus in on mm-hmm. uh, you know sometimes moving to a incentive state uh even though you may not want it may not be your first right. move but you know uh georgia um, yeah, is sure. super busy, and a lot of this, A lot of times, there's opportunity that may not be available to people in LA starting off, mm-hmm. you know, or New York, or where. Well, I appreciate so,
0: that perspective a lot. Something
1: Thank to you. think about, but you know, feel free to. Um, you know, I'm, my email is not going to change. So if you have awesome. any follow-up questions or any. Advice or any, any contacts, whatever you need. You know, well, thank you so I'm much. Pretty,
0: that that's pretty absolutely. much the plan: is to get a decent little portfolio going, and then try to contact the people that I've been speaking to for the past years, and just see 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 if there's any sort of connection there. See if if there's anything that we can do together. So right. it's it's been really fruitful, really fruitful.
1: Yeah, awesome. Well, that's fantastic. Is there anything else um, I can help with or answer?
0: Or? I mean, I'm I'm. I'm free to keep talking if you are. I'm thoroughly enjoying hearing about, about your life. <laughs>
1: sure. I've got, got a few more minutes. I'm, uh, I'm up for if you got any cool. questions, anything else you want to know Tell about.
0: Tell me, um, you mentioned it briefly, but what's it like navigating relationships in, in a job like this? Like intimate it's relationships tough. when you're moving so consistently?
1: Yeah, it's tough. It's, uh, <laughs> you now, you can make it, people make it tougher on themselves by not uh, making the effort to get together. Right, you know, or travel, but it, you know, I'm now, I'm currently dating someone that's in the business and that is helping. Do you think that Um,
0: seems to be like common and correct because you can relate to each other?
1: Yeah, you can, you can, yeah, I do think that, um, it's helping me personally because she understands. you know, when I got the Spike Lee movie, I was like, Hey, I'm going to, she was on a movie. She was on Jumanji, uh, wow. the one that's about to come out. She she understood it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up on, you know. And right, I right. didn't see her. We didn't see each other for four months. Wow. And
2: uh, it's gonna be tough.
1: You know, it is tough. And but the good thing is, you know, we're both about to wrap our shows next week, and we'll both be off for at least. 30, 40 days. I imagine I don't have anything lined up just yet for the new year, but she, uh, so it does help. You know, I was mm-hmm. married for a few years and, um, the business was not the main reason, right? but I was chasing opportunities that were not in New Orleans. They were in Atlanta yeah. or Los Angeles or everywhere, but where she was. And it, you know, that just doesn't work for everyone. And oh, I understood it and it was an amicable breakup. And, You'll have a lot of people on the road for months at a time with you know, new people. You know, there's a lot of. Um, let's just say, you can easily get distracted. Yeah. Uh, people do get distracted. They're working with people. They're drinking together. They're, there's a, I, I, you see a lot of um, you see a lot of things happen. You know, um, I mean? and it's unfortunate, but you put a bunch of people with similar interests together in a city and on weekends and they don't see their significant other things happen right. you know and it it's it's tough it's a tough business uh, for relationships at all levels
0: absolutely and we're uh, habitual absolutely. too so you know like obviously there's there's a lot to be said about infatuation but a lot of relationships it's habitual like you talk to the person because it's what you do as you talk to the person and the little rush of dopamine you get from talking to them that continues to hit so if you're just not physically with them and other people start to fill that space it can be like your your body and mind are just going to adapt to those other people absolutely
1: absolutely and uh you see it all the time but you also see a lot of people that um come together on movies that uh maybe it's a showmance that turns into something um (laughs) pretty uh significant so yeah it is tough though the bottom line is it's a Especially for filmmaking, I mean, if you're in L.A. or New York and you're on a TV show, if you're on a mad about, not mad about, you, but a terrible reference, uh, <laughs> you're on a you're on a you know a CBS show and you're making really good money and you're working nine months out of the year and you stay on that show for seven years, yeah, it's a normal job at that point. Yeah. But feature filmmaking takes everyone everywhere
2: boom, these boom, days, boom, yeah.
1: and uh, so you're a traveling, Carney. <laughs> a carnival group and uh, that's kind of how it how it is
0: yeah do you think your work's fulfilling regardless
1: yeah uh, yeah I do I think uh, I love being in different places like being in Boston this that's summer I was up in uh, Gloucester travel. you know um, just the ability to travel and uh, being in I mean Asia was a dream job I mean I was in Thailand and Vietnam that's amazing and, uh, yeah yeah, that was the coolest thing ever. So, um, yeah, it's fulfilling and it pays well. You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, uh, most union, you know, most of us are all union filmmakers who get uh, paid very handsomely for what we do, and right. um, you get time off. You know, you're basically on a teacher schedule. I mean, it's hard yeah, to yeah. work twelve so months out of the year. You mm-hmm. know, the timing just doesn't allow it. Um, especially not an art director, you know, it's, it's hard to go back to back. I mean, you know, you don't really finish a job and then like a week later, something pops up. I mean, it Mm -hmm. happens, but you know, it's, it usually, you know, things don't crank up until late January, February. Yeah. And then if you miss if you miss a project, if you don't get something by October 15th, you're usually screwed for the rest of the year. Interesting. So yeah there's a real there's a real pattern to it about when these productions start and, and the perfect film is the awesome labor day to christmas and that's exactly what this one's been you know you get through the summer you start a show and it takes you all the way to christmas and then you're you're done and uh, those are the best so and there's an uncertainty to it not everybody's cut out for not knowing where their next paycheck's coming from
2: yeah scary
1: It could be scary and, you know, uh, you could only be on top for so long and Mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not for everyone, but if you, if I always tell people, I said, if you want to go for it, you have to go for it. You will eventually, no matter what you, you work hard and figure out who to talk to and make connections and be a decent person for the most part, Mm -hmm. you will find your way. There's room for you in the industry. There's room for people. And especially now with the amount of content, uh, Disney plus and Apple and all of these people with their original content, not to mention Netflix, you know, producing billions of dollars of films. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a shortage of filmmakers and the people that are, that adapt like myself and people or people that are super talented and have super skill sets. And, you know, there's room for all types. And I think if, you know, you or anyone like you sticks with it and works to get there, they will certainly find a place. And then once you find that place, you hold on to it. And like I said, you don't get complacent. You you keep improving, you keep striving for, better projects you know more interesting people to work with um mentors you know anything you can glean and learn and uh the breaks will come they will naturally come and uh, you can make a good living and have a fulfilling career in entertainment and you know not to say there's not you know uh fatigue and uh, mm-hmm. you know sometimes you know, that's a lot of people that are on set though like I said I God <laughs> bless them I could not <laughs> I could not be on set for 12 hours and it's just not it's not never appealed to me I never really had to do it and never was interested but I mean if you're a director or a DP or a gaffer or a you know one of those positions you you know that's your part of your job mm-hmm. you know, you're on set you're actually physically shooting the film while we just set the we mostly set the uh, the scene, so to We set the the background and we set the environments and let them. They come in, they take over, and we try to maintain it and maintain that look while they're tearing our sets up. And we move on to the next one. You know, we're thinking about what's next week, what's in a month, what's in two months. We're thinking about the whole movie right. while they while they work through the shooting schedule.
0: Well, that's really good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Do you see? Any? uh, Do you see a place in your career in sight where you feel like you'll have done what you needed to do? Like you'll say, "All right, this is it." Or are you just gonna like? Do you do you want to be a production designer eventually, or do you think you'll keep doing these sorts of things?
1: Um, I think I think I do. I think my plan, you know, and I get asked this a good deal uh, by you know colleagues. um, uh, You know, they're constantly, "When are you going to design?" I think. I think I could design, but I still want to keep work. I could design comedies, you know. I don't. I, I don't think I'd do a big like uh, pure costume period piece. i just. I don't have necessarily that that background to be comfortable in that role. But if it's a if it's a contemporary comedy or drama, sure. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm comfortable. I've interviewed for some studio films i've gotten pre-approved by you know uh, a couple of studios to, to design a comedy but you know i'm i am in a position where i'm getting to work with some real um, heavy hitter designers and when the time comes i'll know it i think um uh, you know i'm in my mid 40s i have mm-hmm. a little bit of time most designers are in their you know Late forties, fifties. I mean, there's some young ones. Like the gentleman I'm working with right now is is in his thirties, and uh, you know, he's a, he's uh he just did Uncut gyms and he's he does oh, all the Sassy Brothers that, movies, and uh, he's cool. So you know that kind of deal. I but I do think there's room for me. Um, I do have I do have goals to you know have have art directed or designed a hundred movies when it's said and done, hmm. and. Uh, I don't know. I I, I don't I don't have like a vision of being like an award winning designer or anything. I just think every every film or every project is so unique in many ways that it never I don't know where the next I I don't know what the mountain would be to climb. I think I think designing comedies and interesting indies and dramas, you know, like like a dallas buyers club or you know or something like that where you have a chance to make give it a look but you're not in a giant studio system where there's you you have the room to be to do interesting things without having a ton of money to do it which forces a little bit of creativity Mm -hmm. when you don't have an open checkbook checkbook so (laughs) i do think that in the next three to five i will push to kind of be a designer on um stuff and and but for now I'm really enjoying the process of uh learning and building and building contacts and credits. For and sure. uh when when that time comes I'll know it. If it doesn't, I think uh I'll be happy to look back on a on a career that I never never knew was really possible until like I dug into it. So
2: hmm. yeah. I'll, I'll be hear
1: comfortable. It. I won't have any regrets, that's for sure. Only only gratitude and you know, uh, for wh- how I got here and who helped me get there.
0: That is you all know, we can ask ho- for,
1: yeah. To be honest, so
0: well, I can't That's wait to see where it. I, what's that? I can't wait to see it.
1: Cool. I appreciate that.
0: Thank you so much for talking today.
1: Hey, no, no problem. And if you, uh, I really appreciate it. And again, if you need anything down the road, uh, next week, whatever it is down the road, <laughs> once you work through your, your, uh, your school and your stuff. Anything, feel free. I, uh, you know, you may have to remind me in a year or two. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, you know, I, getting up. There, I but.
0: promise you, you will be hearing from me eventually. I hope we Fantastic. cross paths for sure.
1: Absolutely. Well, great talking to you. Have a great holiday season. And you uh, too.
0: I will. I'll. Was, I'll hit you up when I get this published, and I'll let you know where you can find it and all that. Great. And then, uh, yeah, thank you. I hope we cross awesome. paths. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Jeremy not.